Good evening. I want to do a bit of this teaching on uh, strongholds, and there's, there's a verse in scripture that uh, usually gets quoted with regards to this, which is 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. So if you want to make any notes or jot things down, Ian's just arriving, I've seen him through the window. Um, it says something that we're familiar with this verse. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And then the next verse says, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So there's a number of things in that. Hey, Ian. Um, cast, casting down, um, for, for me, is an implication that something is, as it says a bit further on, it's exalted itself, it's brought itself up. And when we think of things like fear, anxiety, rejection, rebellion, um, religion, these can all become things that become a high place in our life and they need to be brought down. Sometimes those things are on the back of thoughts or beliefs, so those beliefs have to be brought down as well. But it's interesting that it uses the word stronghold in uh, the, the verse before it, verse 4, and so the question is for me, can a Christian have a stronghold? Can a Christian have an area in their life that's that's um, controlling them? That's that is an area for struggle, for um, bondage. And what can we do about that? Well, the Bible starts off by saying we've got these weapons, so we'll we'll kind of have a look at what what that's all about. But before I say any more about that, I just want to take you through a bit of a journey of the Bible and its ideas regarding uh, spiritual things and demonic things, if you like. Um, it, it's never, ever shied away from the fact of the devil, Satan, demons. It's never hidden. It's not, it's not like... You can't. You have to read through and find out bits where it might say something about it. You know, somebody once said the oldest book in the Bible is Job. And had we not had any of the other books, as far as I'm concerned, if all we had was Job, we'd still have the whole gospel. Because we have him talking about a redeemer. And we have him talking about, as we're going to see now in Job, chapter one, verse nine. So he's a, Job's a righteous man, he's, his life is really blessed, lots, lots of good stuff going on in his, in his life. And the devil, it says, comes before God, it says at that time of year when they do. So there's something happens in heaven that we down here on earth have no idea about, uh, but it's what goes on. And uh, there's this discussion between uh, the devil and God and he says, yeah, well, you know, you've put a big hedge of protection around him. Um, and, and Satan answers to, to the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? And we'll go on a few verses, as, if you don't mind, Nick. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has, 
on every, every side. You've blessed the works of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand. This is the devil talking to God. Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And God says, no, I'm not going to do it. Next verse, sorry. And the Lord said to Satan, all that he has is in your power, but you can't lay an hand on him. So who does all the stuff to Satan, is to, to, to Job, is Satan. But the point I just wanted to make as I began this little journey is, we're given here in this oldest book a kind of insight that there is something going on in another realm that affects us as humans and we're not, we're, not, we're not living in the awareness of it. We don't know what agreements, what arrangements, what is happening. And is this just a one-off? Is this the only place in the Bible you find it? No, it's everywhere. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, you've got God has, has made Adam and Eve and, and given them a garden. Now we do know this much, and I, and I remembered uh, Frank Gresham saying something about this, that well, God did put a garden in the de devil's territory because the devil was cast down to the earth. And then God decides to put his new creation right in his territory. So really the devil didn't come into God's territory. God went into his. But you have this serpent who comes and he tempts Eve and he tempts Adam and th they fall to that temptation. But So in Job we have there's something going on behind the scenes. In Genesis we have, there's this influence of a, a devil, a satanic being, uh, something convincing Adam and Eve to rebel against God. So I'm sure it's because in the West we've kind of been brought up where we don't really accept the spiritual realm, not like you would if you went to Africa or Asia and other countries where to them it's very real you know for us it's all so much well you know that's just you make movies out of it don't you you know or you put a, a bit of a, a program on about ghosts and everybody thinks oh did you see that about the, the night that was in it's like it's it's all a, a bit of a joke it's all a bit of a but the Bible doesn't present it that way. It presents it as a very real thing. There's something that's going on that directly influences us. We see it in the New Testament. I want to put up here Luke 22, verse 31. So Job has this encounter, or he doesn't know about the encounter, Job, between God and Satan and, and this kind of battle that goes on for humanity then we see much more public the, the Adam and Eve being approached but here we have another occasion in the New Testament where Peter is he's about to deny the Lord three times and he doesn't know why that's going to happen really he says I'll never do that but he does but this it's on the back of this and the Lord said to Peter, to Simon, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat. Verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith 
should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But back to that verse 31. Jesus is aware that somewhere in this realm, in, a, in the unseen realm, in the heavenly realms, whatever you want to call it, that the devil has asked for Peter. It's, it's here. It's black and white. Well, it literally is black and white on our screens, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and it was, no, it was no big deal to Jesus. This was not like, oh, this is a strange thing. What's happening here to Peter? This, like, this is what happens. That realm has some kind of impact on our realm. And, so, and for some reason, they have access to be able to ask the question and to be able to put pressure on us. Now, I'm not talking about demon possession because that's not what happened with Peter. We didn't see him demon-possessed, but we saw him rebel. Like we saw with Adam and Eve, we saw them rebel. They gave in to temptation. They, whatever it comes to, in whatever form, behind it is this activity that we're not aware of. And so when we talk about that first verse of the weapons that we've got are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are those things that somehow have got attached to us in that unseen realm and we don't know how they started, where they came from, what, but somehow they have an impact on our life that prevent us from being as free as we could be. Right? So the questions begin to be asked. Well, just what is this stuff? What is this stronghold? How do we recognize it? We'll get to that in a minute. But how do we recognize it and... And then what do we do with it when we do? So we did a little bit of a thing last week here and we said, okay, what are the strongholds over the church and over the area? And we had quite a number of different um, words coming. So uh, we'll, co we'll come to, to what those words were and how we're going to deal with them later. But th there was various things that like um, control and lying and self-righteousness um, rejection, poverty, hopelessness. And I remember when I first went uh, to, to Fulham and began to hear some teaching on this, one of the questions that you just got taught to ask was, is this just happening? So, like, and of course I've been involved with church a long, long time, so I can see lots of kind of different eras and different moves of God um, but literally you can see from one week to the next a meeting can have freedom one week and then be really dead the next week and you and, and it's really important to step back and ask the question is this just happening are we all tired today then is that what it is we're all tired we've all had dinner we all had a row with the wife before we came Poor old Yvonne, everybody has a row with her. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's my wife, Yvonne. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's like, is this just happening, the fact that it's, it seems dead today? Or is there something going on behind the scenes that we've not just tuned into and asked the Lord to deal with it? Right? So, I hope it's beginning to make a little bit of sense to you, but I, I just needed to give you that idea, first of all, that just being here is not all there is. Just sitting, listening to a 
message is not all that's going on in a, in a room. There's angels and there's demons. There's the Holy Spirit. There's God the Father, Son. There's a lot of other activity going on in the room. So you come uh, to church and you're angry or bitter or uh, resentful of someone and you bring that with you into church. You know, you kind of, you know, we're, we're sort of strange people, I think, in the sense that some of us can hide it and some of us can't. Some people come in and say, you all right? And they say yes, and you think, liar. They're about as all right as anything could be, aren't they? But then you get the other one who comes in, and he can't help but show you how he is, you know. He walks in the room and says, right, no, I'm not all right. It's terrible. Everything's... You think, okay, fair enough. We know. But he's brought that in with him. So has the other person. So what we bring with us, are we just saying then that, we just come to church and we can just be how we like and it's and God will just bless us anyway. Well, yeah, he does because he's great. But also, what goes on can affect and influence what's happening in our meetings. Luke 10, verse 18 to 19. Just a couple of more verses around this activity that's going on. Sorry, no. It was, uh, yes, Luke 10, I think it's 18 and 19. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, from verse 19. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Jesus says this stuff to his disciples about the devil, about the enemy, about Satan. You've got power over all that. And whenever in our lifetime is in church, have we ever used it? <laughs> Do you know, if, if you think logically about what Jesus is saying there, you've got power over everything the enemy's trying to do. Okay, well, I don't really know what he's trying to do. I have no idea what he's doing. So, you know, what can I do about it? Anyway. I'm sure I'm tickling a few ears with these sort of things. Matthew 16, 19 says a very similar thing. Matthew 16, 19. See, if this stuff wasn't important, it shouldn't be in the Bible. Just don't say it to us, you know. Matthew 16, 19 says, Behold, I give you authority... Oh, no, that's not it. That's still the same verse. Okay. Matthew 16, 19. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I like the translation that uh, has been correctly uh, put out here, which is, I'll give you the keys of, of the kingdom. Um, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. So it's about dealing with it or seeing it in that realm first before we see it in this realm. Okay, we don't just go around going, I bind the spirit of this, I bind the spirit of that, I bind this, I bind that. If, if nothing's been done in the heavenly realms, well, good luck with that, but they'll be back again tomorrow. If you're doing it in, in, by natural means instead of supernatural means. But again, it's another verse that says something about this other realm 
and what is supposed to be our interaction with that realm. And I, don't, I was not brought up, well, I say I was not brought up, I was brought up in a Pentecostal church, so you did cast out demons, um, but that didn't happen all the time because they were good hiders. And nobody liked doing that job anyway. So there was a lot more uh, in Pentecostal churches, it was a lot more about, yes, there'd be healing the sick, but it would be prophetics and tongues and interpretation. And, and you know, that was more the supernatural side of church was that than it was the warfare side of things. And it's always been one of these things that people have, 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 have quoted various scriptures about. Um, Colossians 2.15. Have, have we put that up yet? I don't think we have. Colossians 2.15. And this is where the church gets divided. The church begins to have put question marks up. You see, because culturally... We've denied all that supernatural stuff. That culture comes into the church. So you go to, I mean, I go to Kenya, and I've been to other countries too, and you, you go in there, and it's, everything is the devil, Satan, you know, and it's like, you, you know, they're casting out, you know, they, they tell you testimonies of, of witches who come and knock on the door, come in the house, and then disappear, and you're going, what are you talking about? doesn't make any sense to us. But to them... And, and I rem remember um, Stuart Leeds, a friend of mine, saying one day, he said, uh, a, a guy came over from one of these countries and, and they were about to pray for someone. He says, in our country, the first question we ask is, who did this to you? So any sickness, disease, uh, abnormality, deformity, in those countries, they believe that that would have been from a curse or from some something supernatural gave permission for that to happen to this body that's just like so far-fetched from from us and our thinking but the bible keeps telling us do it do this stuff get involved fight the fight you know pull down strongholds take the keys of the kingdom power over all the works so this is the next verse is where the church gets divided on all of this having disarmed principalities and powers he made a spectacle of them triumphing over them in it which is it is the cross so what you then get in the church is we don't have to deal with it because it's already been dealt with at the cross and so there comes the big divide can't preach about this stuff and get people involved in this stuff because the truth is it's all done it's all finished. Finished at the cross. Okay. But it's being manifest daily, weekly, monthly in our churches. The enemy hasn't been told, you know, it's over. In fact, if you take other scriptures, and that's, that is the correct thing to do, I haven't got no, the night to do all that with, but if you take other scriptures, you'd, you'd find... Uh, just as much talking about that he's still the God of this world. Not everything has been put under his feet yet, which is Jesus. You know, it's kind of a, it's an in the process. And we're part of the process of put whatever, you know, 
you'll do more things than, than I ever did. But according to this verse, we haven't supposed to do, we are not to do anything there because it's done. So there's a lot of you can see that there's a division over it. So in Revelation we see something very similar. I was trying to look through, and I think it's in maybe two or three of the letters to the churches. Revelation 2, verse 8. I think there's a couple of them where, you know, that this is where it says, um, I know your works, whether you're this, that, the other, or not. you know, I've seen that you're like this, I've seen that you're like that, you know. Um, and this is what I have against you, that you need to do this. You, need, you know, that's what he writes to all of the churches. But to this particular one, and to another one, I think, uh, he says something similar to this. Now, one person has, has uh, well, various people have tried to explain what the seven churches are. Like, that might be seven eras of church history. So, each church represents a period of time. The church, that's one of the theories in there. Um, but whatever it is, this is what was spoken to one of them. To the angel of the church of Smyrna, write, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. We're going to go through up till 10, I think. I know your works, your tribulations and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of, the, of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you might be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death and I'll give you the crown of life. This is written to Regis. This is written to your church, Regis. Oh, the devil wants to do this at your place. Does it, I tell you what, every pastor in the land would love Jesus to write to us and tell us what the devil's up to so we could get it sorted out. And he does it here. He says, you're going to get thrown in prison. And who comes along? A Roman, a, a, a fellow Jew, and, and, and lies about you and you get thrown into prison. And of course, here in our country, what we'd do is we'd look at the natural realm and we'd say, oh, it's those neighbours who didn't like us. They've got us into trouble. It's these over here, you know, this community of people who are against the church, they've got us into trouble. The devil, Jesus called it, the devil's going to get you thrown in prison. What we won't get is we'd get thrown in prison for something we did. And that's what we'd see. But we didn't know what happened behind the scenes. And that's the stuff that we need to pull down, that we need to take authority over, that we've got all power over. But you only have power over that which you can see and what you know. That's, what, that's the only thing you can have power over. So, again, an, another aspect of the Bible that, you know, if, if this is all very new to you, and I'm, I don't think it is, but... I'm hoping that we'll be able to put this on Regis' uh, website and various places on podcast and that people will listen to this and go, oh, wow, the Bible's full of that stuff. 
Could it be going on in my house, let alone my church? Okay. So, you know, we have an Old Testament and God tries to kind of choose a man, choose a family, choose a nation. <laughs> you know, his, his, he, he, he first of all, as Adam and he has a son, uh, he has two sons, Cain and Abel. And Abel is, is the one who's carrying the seed, carrying the seed from which Christ will come. And then Cain kills him. Oh, you go. So God gives him another seed, that's what it says. God gives him, it says, he doesn't give him another son, he says he gives him another seed. So that the seed of Jesus can, can still come, and that's what you read about Abraham in your family. The seed is coming through your family. And, and there's this sort of whole journey of, like, how does God picture it out, plan it out for us? And we see these introductions of things like, law which kind of now we've got the new testament thinking of grace we thought why didn't you just start there it started there in the first place abraham believed god didn't carry out didn't follow any laws abraham believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness so it began in grace noah righteous man found grace in the eyes of the lord it began in grace but somewhere, what we begin to see is, in the earth comes not just grace, holiness, righteousness, peace, but also comes in evil and wickedness and hatred and death and murder. And so God says, we, we, we've got to find a way of, of, of identifying that this is, this, is, this is acceptable, this is not. So the law comes in. But the law came in for a reason. Just like we have law in our country. Why do we have it? You break it, you're in trouble. Don't break it. It's been put there to tell you how to live with one another. So God did this. He said, this is the law. Break these laws and, you know, you'll pay the consequences. But God, why are you bringing this and then we start reading about heaven. And I don't know if you've ever read anything about heaven. But I'd love to read it and go. And Isaiah looked up. And he saw the Lord. High and lifted up. On a beautiful ocean. In a lovely green field. You know with beautiful roses and. It was a one, heaven was a, it was a beautiful sight. I saw the Lord, I lifted up, and the train of his robe filled a temple. Oh. And you look at quite any prophecy in the Old Testament where they saw heaven, they would see a courtroom, a throne, where all these laws that God brought says, this is, this is, it's somehow how it works, you know. Heaven, heavenly realm seems to have a legal perspective to it. Psalm 100 verse 4, anybody know it? You should do. Psalm 100, I think it's verse 4. Yeah, please. And you know the song if you don't know the verse. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts. Yes, Lord. Yes, my Lord. 
enter his courts. And we think of courts, surely it means like Wimbledon. No, not that kind of court, you know. Um, like, just a, it means courtroom. That when we, when we, what does it say in, in Hebrews 4, verse 16? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. A throne. The king on his throne. Let, let us therefore come boldly to the lush, green, beautiful park that is heaven. Let's go there. He says, now come boldly to the throne room. Yeah, God is God. And let him be gracious to you. And let him show mercy to you. And let him give grace to help in times of need. But it comes from where? It comes from this. There's a very legal way that heaven is described and presented in the Bible. It's not presented as this land of beauty. and I'm, I'm sure it's all those things as well. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm sure there's lots of amazing, beautiful things. Um, but where did the enemy come to speak to, to God in the beginning for Job? Why is that happening? What is going on there? There is these courtrooms. There is this place of heaven where cases are being brought this might all sound very, very strange to you, but I'm only reading what the Bible tells me goes on in that place. Revelation 4, verse 2. It's the last verse. I could speak for another half an hour about, about it, but I just wanted to give you some verses throughout the Scripture that paint a picture that's not the one that we've had painted to us as Christians and as churchgoers. But it's very much what heaven sees and we don't see. So in Revelation 4 verse 2, Immediately I was in the Spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. So even right through to the book of Revelation, we have this same image and we can go on further into Revelation and we can, we can hear there that, that, that the devil is, is um, finally bound for a thousand years and then he comes out and then he's finally put. Because all that's being legally done in heaven. You only then need to go to Paul and all of his writing about being born again. It's all very legal. Redeemed. Redemption was a legal term. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. What, what, redeemed from what? Because there was something we needed redeeming from. You know, there was a case against us. We were being held hostage. We had to have the ransom paid for us. The language is very much about there's something else going on. And this is the way that you overcome. This is, this is being born again. It says in um, John 3, between 3 and 7, <laughs> it says, unless you're born again, and he says, unless you're born again from above, you won't see, you won't enter the kingdom of God. 
And let's not even get on to the kingdom of God teaching. I mean, we never teach that. That's never been taught in our churches. The kingdom. We, we teach church. We teach evangelism. We teach this. We, but do we teach the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God teaching? It's very simple. There's a king. Do what he says. He's the boss. We haven't been invited into a, a, a you know, a organization where we can all have a say and we all we want our churches to look like this that's not really how it was you know that's not really what's happened we've been born again and we have a king who rules and here we are doing our own stuff jesus went around saying the kingdom of heaven is and what did, why, why was that a, st a statement to make? He's basically saying, the king's coming, you better, you better watch it. Because if he comes, if the king comes. And we don't really present the, the gospel as the gospel of the kingdom anymore. It's the gospel of salvation, it's the gospel of love, the gospel of peace, the gospel of hope. But the gospel of the kingdom was... You want to give your life to Jesus? That means from now on, he's the boss, he's the king, he's the Lord of your life. Do you want to make that? Do you want to surrender everything to him? Well, that's the gospel of the kingdom. It's not preached. It's not preached. So, anyway, are you all all right? So how do we get everybody in the world to listen to this? <laughs> you know, just like it and send it off to everybody you can think of. So then we, we come to the little presentation that I have, which is not a great presentation. <laughs> it's just words. Um, but So this is, this is how we deal with strongholds. And bearing in mind, what I'm saying is a stronghold is... A demonic activity, uh, a demonic uh, oppression, um, so like habits and obsessions. So, so my fa favorite way of describing this would be like if you take a balloon and you just have an empty balloon and you put it on the table it's easily movable, it's not in the way, it's not causing any trouble, it's fine where it is. But that balloon's got a name on it. And the name on that balloon is insignificance. And everybody's born with some insignificance, that's why the balloon's there. It could have the word fear on it. And everybody's born with a bit of fear. You know, they're natural qualities. Jealousy, you know, it's, a, it's not only a natural quality, but it says, uh, God is a jealous God, he's put that within us. But it's like a, a balloon that's just part of our nature and all of that. But you blow air into it, and it gets a lot bigger. And you know, it's okay to sometimes realize, well, I'm not the best in the world at everything, although I have some trouble with that sometimes. That's the pride balloon, by the way, in case you're wondering what's going on. Um, <laughs> uh, but, like, there'll be, like, people... So, we were laughing earlier about people sitting on the back row. 
And one of the, one of the things I used to say about the, the spirit of insignificance was that you usually knew who was suffering with that particular blown up balloon. And, and what do you blow into a balloon to get it to go bigger? Air. And what does the Bible call the Holy Spirit? Breath. So what do you think demons are? Ah. They are words and breath that's come into us that enlarge something in us. They, that's what a spirit is. It's, a, it's an enlarging of something. You know it's called the spirit of fear. You ever heard that phrase? You know, I haven't given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I love that verse because it makes me laugh every time. Because I think the spirit of fear is afraid. I think that's why he's called that. But he's looking for somewhere to live. He's looking for somewhere to express his fear. Just like the spirit of anger, the spirit of jealousy, whatever they are. They, they, they are the very la label that they are, but they're lo trying to find something in us that agrees with it. Okay? So, what was I saying? Uh, I know I was about to do my presentation. Back row, insignificance, thank you. It, Pete, Pete got me, he was trying to get me off there. He was trying, so, like, do, does anybody in the church have the spirit of insignificance? That's when you look on the back row, because all the people with insignificance sit on the back, right? So I remember being at a conference, I remember being at a conference teaching on this and, and said that very phrase, and there was a, a real uproar, and everybody turns around and looks at the back, you know. I said, well, actually, the real people with the spirit of insignificance have worked that out, so they all sit on the front. <laughs> and of course, everybody on the front's all the vicars and the pastors and the leaders. And so it, it was fun. Anyway, it was fun. But how do we recognize any of these? So that, that's the first. There are five R's. Five R's. This is the Farmer Giles version of. <laughs> Pardon? Yep. So the first R is recognize. We need to recognize what the stronghold is, what the spirit is. Now, I'm trying to say this to you in a way that you understand. I'm not saying demon possession. But I am saying that the spirit of fear, the spirit of shame, the spirit of anger, the spirit of jealousy, they can impact us and affect us and influence us. So, if we're going to deal with a stronghold over, say, Regis, we need to recognize what the stronghold is we're going to deal with. Otherwise, we go back to the very beginning of our teaching. They know all about it in Africa and Asia, and we haven't got a clue. And that's the way it's just going to be. But you know we've been given the Holy Spirit, don't you? And he has given us gifts. And do you know what one of his gifts is? Anybody know? Discerning of spirits. Why is it? Why have you come to give us that one? Healings. Yes, we'll have that one. Holy Spirit, give us the healing miracles. 
Gifts of faith, yes. Believe God's going to do great things. Oh, we can have all those gifts. Gifts, gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge. And then he says, and discerning of spirits. What? What? What's that? What are spirits? Why do we have to? We're not going to do any, any stronghold. We'll have no effect on it if we first don't identify it, recognize it. And okay, that's where I think what we were trying to do last week is tune into the gift of the discerning of spirits. Be prophetic about it. That's what we're trying to do when we have that time and we begin to ask God. Now, something I've come to realize, and this is not a criticism of you, because if it's a criticism of you, it's a criticism of me, right? As well as the discerning of spirits, we've got our own ideas. So, you know, we can have heard something somebody said last week, or, and, and we'll, we'll go, oh, that must mean this, and we'll, we'll do this ourselves. We'll make it, you know, mean something. And so then beginning to, look, Lord, we need to be clear. What is it that we're really dealing with? What's the stronghold we're really dealing with here? Okay. Um, so that's, that's number one, is recognize. The first R is recognize. Um, I'm not going to say any more about that. If, if we need to do more teaching on this, we can do. But let's just go through the five R's, if, if you don't mind. So let's say we recognize insignificance is, is the stronghold of... Well, let me, let me just pick one uh, from, from last week. Um, yeah, there was spirit of discouragement. It's very easy to, to, to sort of identify that in the sense that every church is dealing with it at the moment. Every church is really discouraged since coming back from lockdown, since people haven't returned and all that sort of thing. So the spirit of discouragement. So we've all had, um, well, I don't know how long we had out of church, about 12 months, I think it was, it, it, you know, for a lot of people. Churches were closed for a quite a while, you know, some still haven't reopened, you know. But, you know, those who haven't come back, had such a jolly during that time. It's like, well, what's the point going back to church? It's much more fun not going to church. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, all I'm saying is um, that to come back and to expect the church to be on fire from day one, which is what we'd all would have loved it to have been the case. Churches are being opened this weekend. That would have been the announcement Lockdown is being lifted. Churches can reopen this weekend. And all the Christians decided, we're going back. We're going back. We're going to go and we're going to set the world alight. And five people turn up. It's, it's, isn't that the reality? For everywhere. Spirit of discouragement. Just walks in through the door and goes, ah, oh, I've got a home. I've got somewhere to, to be. These are my buddies. So when we talk about repent, if you're writing stuff down, you really need to write this bit down there. Repentance means 
coming out of agreement with. Coming out of agreement with. In this case, the spirit of discouragement. So really, in reality, what we have to do, if we're going to repent of this, we have to say, God, we're sorry because we've agreed, we've accepted this discouragement, and we've felt it, and we've, we've let it infect our minds, and we've agreed with it, and we are so sorry. That's what repentance should be. If we want to deal with a stronghold of discouragement, we can't do that while we're in friendship with it. We have to come away from it and say, that's not who I am. At the moment, people, easier said than done because reality is what it is. Churches are still not full. I met with some people the other day um, of churches far, far bigger than mine and they're so discouraged because they've experienced exactly the same. But when you're a smaller church, you feel it. I'm sure they feel it too, but you, you feel it. And, and people just found other things to do on a Sunday. And okay. But like, so we can watch it on Facebook anyway now. We don't even have to go. Because that's what we all did as churches. We set up Facebook and we started. So I was in here every Sunday morning on my own, preaching a sermon, going in the back room on a Sunday night, doing a Bible study on a Tuesday night at home, doing another Bible study, back in here most days of the week, playing a song for everybody to listen to for 12 months. Had a great time. gave all that commitment to everybody and everything who wasn't here so that when we came back we'd all be so thankful and grateful and <clears throat> didn't happen <laughs> I've got one of my own strong goals kicking up right there so I'm going <laughs> to leave that to one side <laughs> so <laughs> first we recognize what is a stronghold and it's a spirit of something. We repent of it. We come out of agreement with it. The third of the third R is receive forgiveness. Now, there's been some changes over the years when they do, do this teaching, but I don't want to change this. I think this is beautiful. I think we need to know when we've repented that God says, it's done. Now, I didn't grow up with that awareness as a child. I grew up in what was called the Pentecostal Holiness Church. And the holiness was very strict, very legalistic, very high expectations. I'm also a pastor's son, so the highest of highest expectations. So you can't, if you fail, if you do something wrong, if you say something wrong, you, you felt the guilt, the shame of it. And particularly that, that denomination would, would create that as well. So experiencing the love of God. You know, I used to find, I remember once uh, praying with someone who, who had been recently saved and had, had been into a lot of things in their, in their life and had been bound by those habits and stuff. And, and I, I prayed with him and he got set free. And it was just a wonderful time. And I said to him afterwards, I said, 
I said, don't take this the wrong way. I said, because it had been drinking and smoking and, and whatever else, you know. I said, there's a part of me that wishes I'd, because I'd just been perfect. But like, perfect for me wasn't freedom. I thought, you know, I'd, I, I wouldn't have minded having some of that stuff. He says, no, he says, you'd have had to be delivered from it and it's not nice. Which is, which is a beautiful thing to say. But there was something, and you know, that being, be ye holy for I am holy is fantastic. But trying to be holy like him is, is dreadful. It's a killer. Getting to know him who's holy and letting him rub off on you, that's brilliant. So when we repent, to then know it's okay. I've heard it and you're forgiven. Man, does that give you that sense of right standing with God, that sense of, he's my, you know, we're, we're side by side now in this battle, you know? That's what I think is a real valuable part. So the first R, recognize. The second R, repent. The th third R, receive forgiveness. The fourth R, and this is again another one of those things that's brought up division in the church which is rebuke the enemy and maybe it's just the wrong word to use because it does create some issues for some people but it, maybe it's better to use the, the verse in Matthew where it said we bind what we bind on earth binding this enemy but once we've, once we've taken these steps and we've gone, okay, there's a spirit of discouragement. We feel it. We sense it in the church. You know, it's, it's become part of us. God, we are so sorry that we've walked in agreement with it. We want to come out of agreement with that now and we want to say to you, God, we're sorry. And then we just receive this beautiful forgiveness. We then want to tell that dirty, rotten, discouraging spirit, Will you just clear off? Will you just get out? You don't have a place here. Once we've made that disconnect, we're not in agreement with you. We're aligning with the Father. We then have authority to say, you can get out. Does this make sense to everyone? Awesome. You're doing really, really good. You don't have to just do this with like a particular... I'm using the discouragement in church one because it's, it's one we're all identifying with and we can all see how it works. But this works at home too for your own circumstances. You know? So you... Um, I don't know. You, you're someone who always reacts the same way to the same thing. Is that just happening, by the way, or is there something spiritual going on there? You need to recognize it. You need to come out of agreement with it. You need to tell it to go. And maybe you won't react that same way next time, which would be a shock, but it would be free. So I'm, I'm being gentle in using the church as a, 
but there's stuff in us, okay? I'm not hiding away from that, but I'm using this particular discouragement thing. So, something, can you go back to repent? So one of the things I said there was that we come out of agreement with. The, the other thing that's also useful here is what lies have I believed? So with discouragement, not only is it a feeling, which it is, but there'll be thoughts that are running through my head, thoughts that are running through your head. Will this ever change? Will it ever be any better? You know, blaming this one, blaming that. You know, like this. It's my fault. Don't know. Listen, I bet you could ask every vicar in the land, and it's his fault or her. Every pastor of a church right now is thinking, what did I do? That's the stronghold trying to get in there you know but so not only is it coming out of agreement but it's also out of agreement with lies out of agreement with uh, false beliefs was it saying um, the book of Timothy good book that is by the way great name um, <laughs> it says in the last days there'll be doctrines of what? Doctrines of what? Demons? Let's get this Bible. Can you shut up about demons and things, Bible? You know, can you just leave it alone? But like, no, it says, what's the doctrine of a demon? Speaks into the mind of a person. Speaks in the heart of a person. Something that they begin to declare as, as a doctrine, as a teaching. Why do you think we have so much division in the church? Why do you think we have so many different religions and organizations which believe, in some cases, almost the opposites? How can this be? Because the demons can put thought, thoughts in our hearts that become doctrine, that become beliefs. So repentance is identifying also the lies, the beliefs. And that, the, that I wanted to do that because of where we're going to go shortly. So rebuking the enemy back to there. I, I was trying to get pictures for each of the slides, but I'm very, very slow. <laughs> and so I only got enough to do the first two. <laughs> so... You don't, you don't have to get animated with this either. This is rebuking the enemy. This is not like, right, okay. I'm going to shout. I'm going to. You know, it's not, you know, it's not that. I, I, I remember early days of, of this. It, you, literally, you could, you could just simply say, okay, now I'm not in agreement with you anymore. I put you under my feet. And I command you to leave this place right now. It can be as simple, as quiet as that. Nope. I'm glad I went back to that for you then. No, no, no. 
That's the olden days of casting out demons and stuff like that. No, um, somebody said something brilliant to me. Don't be like the devil to get rid of the devil. Because he's angry. What does it say about Jesus? About God? And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Not the God of war. Not the God of violence and anger. But the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. So that rebuke one, there's a lot more. In fact, of all of these things, there's a whole night's teaching on each one, but I just want you to get the bullet points and the, the you know, hopefully a succinct version of what I'm trying to say. So we've had four R's so far, and there's a fifth one. We've had recognize, repent, receive forgiveness, rebuke the enemy. And we, yes. So like with the spirit of discouragement, so once we've come out of agreement with it, to rebuke that one, we would say, okay, especially as I'm now forgiven, right? I would be saying, okay, I now take authority over you, spirit of discouragement. You have no part, in this case we'd say, in our church, or in me, whatever, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. Or I command you to get off. That's another nice way of saying it. To get off these people. And it is okay to use, and I'll put you under my feet, because the Bible uses that phraseology. It is okay to use that. No, you just... No, because uh, where else did he send them? And he cast out a lot of demons. <laughs> so, and even the ones that went in the pigs ended up in the sea, and they, ended, you know, like they didn't even end up there. So it, wa it wasn't... Uh, yeah, this, that's, that's correct. I want to say something about that, if I, can, if I could be reminded at the end, but I don't want it recording. So I just want to, is that okay? I'll come back to a little bit more about what you've just asked. But is, have you got down the words there enough? That's, that's cool. So then we come to the last of the R's, which is replace. So what's the opposite to discouragement? Encouragement. So what can we release over Regis? God, we want to now release a spirit of encouragement into this place. We, we want to replace whatever was <laughs> with whatever is available. It might also be replacing, what did I say earlier? What are the lies? The beliefs. So once you've identified them and come out of agreement with them, like, well... It's my fault then. You know, it's my fault. I'm the pastor. It's my fault. What's, what's the, what, that's a lie from the enemy. 
what's the truth that I want to replace that with? God's called me here. God's chosen me. I want to replace the lies that I've been believing with the truth. Okay, so replacing is, is, is releasing stuff over the church. It's also replacing thinking and replacing the lies with the truth. Does that make... Have you got, you got that as well? Cool. That's really, really good. So, I'll finish with this sentence then. So, what the Bible has shown us right from the beginning really is there's activity going on in two realms, not just the one, not just the natural realm, but in two realms. And that that realm, the unseen realm, has influence over the seen realm. And that we've been given authority and even ability to recognize that activity and do something about it. And that's what tonight's been about. So I hope uh, you've got something from it. If you're listening to this on podcast or whatever, and you'd like to know more, get here. That's all I'll say. Take care.